You're listening to the Finchwood Discipleship Podcast. My name is Matthew, and as your host, my mission is to help you discover who God is and what it means to live as a citizen of His kingdom. Greetings, Finchwood. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, the Bible is an anthology, a diverse collection of separate works composed by several authors from very different points in history that all revolve around God and what he's done in and among humanity for the past several thousand years. Last week, we looked at some of the reasons that Christians believe God has given us these 66 books, that he inspired these writers over the course of at least a thousand years. God guided these writers so that their work would faithfully represent his message to humanity, and so that somehow, any time you read this book, you can hardly help but encounter God in between its pages. It's literature, but it's not just literature. It's more properly what we would call revelation. It has a living and breathing quality of its own, where the Spirit of God who resides in me highlights new things in the text while I read it. It's a lot like when you watch your favorite movie again and again, and every time you notice new details that enhance the story or provide new depth to the characters. The difference is that with the Bible, the author is also the primary character, and he's the one explaining it to you as you go through it. When people say that the authors of the Bible were inspired, there are a lot of different things they can and do mean by that word. It's amazing to me just how much diversity of opinion there is on this topic, but for the most part, those points of view all boil down to how someone would answer these two questions. First, how involved was God in writing the Bible? And second, how involved were the human beings who actually put pen to papyrus? Let's start with that first question. There are certainly enough voices in the world today claiming that God didn't inspire the Bible at all, that it's no different from any other sacred text because they all represent mankind's innate desire for transcendence. If you're an atheist or agnostic, this is really the only belief that makes sense within your worldview. But if you're a Christian, then there's no reason to believe that God can't reveal what he wants us to know so that it could be written down. However, and I think this is where the second of our two questions comes into play, there are people on the opposite end of the spectrum who seem to think that God dictated the entire Bible to its authors word for word, and that they had no part in the creative process. The problem with that point of view is that when you read it, it really seems like each author wrote with his own personality, his own style, his own grammar, sometimes his own spelling for particular words. Jeremiah, for instance, likes to use a lot of punchy one-liners and puns, while Ezekiel lays out these vast, rich descriptions of the visions he's experienced, as if he's trying to paint a masterpiece using only his words. Clearly, God allowed the humanity of these authors to shine through in the writing process. In fact, partnership with human beings is among his favorite ways to accomplish anything, so I personally believe there's room for both things to be true that the Bible says exactly what God wants it to say, and that he accomplished that goal by speaking through specific people's very human hearts and minds. It would be entirely appropriate to say that God acted as co-author of the entire Bible, or you could also think of him as the divine editor. Either way, he had a hand in it. 
but so did the human authors to whom we now turn our attention. In answering the question, who wrote the Bible, what I'm willing to stand confidently by is only what the text says. With that being said, a lot of scripture is actually anonymous. All of the Torah, most of the Old Testament history books, Job, a good number of the Psalms, a few prophets, all four Gospels, the Book of Acts, and the Epistle to the Hebrews, all lack a signature or any other solid indication of who composed them. For whatever reason, these authors chose not to sign their work, and I respect that. What the biblical text does say is, for instance, that David wrote at least 73 out of 150 psalms, and that a smattering of the others were written by either Moses or Solomon or a couple of other groups of people because that's what the text says. Likewise, Proverbs claims multiple authors for different portions, and some sections have no attribution whatsoever. I have no problem with that because this is a book of collected wisdom so it makes sense that some of it would come from the king who compiled it, but other sections would be from other sources. Next, let's look at the prophets. For most of these books, we have no reason within the text itself to believe that they were written by anyone other than who they're named after. Though it's worth mentioning that the book of Jonah tells the story of Jonah, but it tells it from a third-person perspective, so we really have no information about who's telling the story. The first half of Daniel, likewise, is written as a third-person account of Daniel's life, while the second half is a prophetic oracle claiming to be from Daniel himself. To me, that points to Daniel living through the events described and giving that prophetic message, while all of that material was gathered and edited into its current form at a later date. There's a lot of skepticism out there surrounding the other prophets as well, but most of that skepticism comes from the argument that since every intelligent, modern, enlightened person knows that prophecy isn't real, these people must have written their books at a much later date after the events they described. Once again, whether or not you believe the Bible seems to come down to whether or not you believe it's possible for God to communicate with human authors. If he can, then there's no reason these authors couldn't have given accurate predictions of future events. However, if you don't believe that prophecy is possible, then you're stuck with the later date, because at that point, these men must have been describing history, not the future. Moving on to the New Testament, as I said earlier, the first five books are anonymous. But after that, 21 out of 22 remaining letters start with some kind of attribution saying that they're either from Paul, James, Peter, Jude, or John who were all early followers of Jesus. The one exception is Hebrews, which I'll tackle in a moment. Now, for each of those books, Old and New Testament, I can find you scholars who disagree with the authorship that's stated in the text. Most of their arguments are based on the same skepticism I mentioned a few moments ago, but some of their arguments are based on a careful analysis of the vocabulary and the style of the writing itself in the original Greek and some of those points are worth looking closer at, such as the idea that a student of Paul may have actually written Ephesians, or that the Gospel of John, the three epistles of John, and Revelation might have been written by three different people, each named John. I have to admit that is a possibility, but it still doesn't shake my conviction that these books communicate the authentic message of Jesus 
any more than it shook the confidence of the early church that preserved them. Now, for all the books that don't explicitly list an author, I can give you my best guesses. And for every book, there's at least one traditional answer or an educated guess from the first and second centuries as to who physically wrote the original copy. With that being said, those are still guesses. So I'm not going to go basing my faith on the identity of an author, because at the end of the day, we just don't know what we haven't been told in the text. So let's go back to the book of Hebrews, which might be the most mysterious book in the entire Bible when it comes down to authorship. For a while, in the first few centuries AD, it was attributed to Paul, but even I can disprove that theory based on the fact that it says things Paul would never have said. Since then, other biblical characters have been proposed as potential authors of Hebrews, such as Barnabas, Timothy, or Priscilla, but those are all just speculation. Frankly, it could be any one of those people, or it could be someone we've never heard of who's not mentioned in the text. What we're pretty sure we do know about the author is that it was someone close to Paul, and the reason for that is because it reflects so much of his way of thinking and even his favorite analogies and turns of phrase. But on the other hand, it's definitely someone who didn't meet Jesus in person because the author talks about the story of Jesus being handed down to them, and that points to a second-generation Christian. Another great example here is that Moses is traditionally listed as the author of the entire Torah, but the text doesn't say that anywhere. One thing it does say is how and when Moses died, so I doubt he wrote at least that portion. Maybe he wrote most of it, and a later author came along and added this epilogue about how Moses met his maker. I'm willing to believe, however, that a whole community of people wrote those five books down centuries later based on oral traditions that dated back to the events described. Especially concerning Deuteronomy, it seems likely that it was compiled by the same community of scholars that wrote the majority of the Old Testament history books, and the reason we think that is because of the consistency of style and theological focus in those books. Frankly, we do have strong evidence that some books of the Bible were written by multiple people, and that some books consist of material that was copied and edited from multiple previous sources to become the form we have today. Some books even describe themselves that way outright. For example, Luke's Gospel begins with an explanation of how he investigated and compiled information in order to make a detailed report of Jesus' life. The Psalms, like I mentioned earlier, give credit for different poems to different authors, or even to groups of authors in some cases. Yet another great example is that Paul would often sign his letters as being from himself and another person, such as his protege Timothy. Finally, it was common practice in the ancient world for a student to write in the style of his teacher and then sign the teacher's name. It was also customary for authors to employ a scribe who would not only physically write the words on the page, but who would advise the main author on points of style and vocabulary. On that note, I think there's just as much to be said about inspired editing as there is about inspired writing. Ezra, for example, is traditionally viewed as the author of Ezra, of course, along with some people thinking he served as a scribe under Nehemiah, but my personal theory is that he compiled and edited both First and Second Chronicles and the Book of Psalms, because at his point in history, after the exile, he recognized an acute need among his people for literature and poetry 
that they could ground their Hebrew heritage in. Now that's my theory, and once again it's not explained that way anywhere in the Bible. And as always you can draw your own conclusions, but if that theory is true, then Ezra wrote very little of the Bible, but he left a massive impact on the text we have today because he was inspired by God to make good use of the words that a multitude of other people had written before him. One last thing to look at before I wrap this up is that biblical authors often copied each other's work. There's a lot of common language shared between 2 Peter and Jude, and there are a few sections in the prophets that echo the history books verbatim when describing an event where the prophet was engaged in ministry. Still, the best example here is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke share so much information and even wording in common that scholars from very early on started calling them the synoptics, which is a Greek word meaning seeing together or sharing a point of view. There are several theories as to why and how these three came to be so similar, such as that Mark may have been written first and was used along with other sources as a template for Matthew and Luke. And you know what? That's okay. It's also possible that three of the Gospels were written by groups of people, perhaps with the named author as a primary source for the information in each book. And that's okay too. The one exception there is Luke, which takes the form of a personal letter addressed to somebody named Theophilus. The book of Acts, by the way, has the same format, and it was written to the same guy, so both of those books were likely written by the same single individual. Now, I know that according to modern standards, some of those practices I just described seemed a little suspicious, but they were perfectly acceptable practices in pre-modern times. The bottom line with authorship is that we believe that the information comes from reliable sources. Whether or not the eyewitnesses physically held the pen that formed the letters and words onto a piece of parchment. Disciples of John or Paul, so long as they're good disciples, could have every bit as much authority as the apostles themselves, and that's because of the enormous value that was placed on oral traditions in the ancient world. Scribes and storytellers would spend their lives intently listening to and even memorizing every word that their elders would tell them, and then they would pass those same traditions down verbatim to their disciples and so forth. It's remarkable just how little those traditions would vary throughout the centuries. When you add the strict controls that were placed on the text once it was finally written down, and the fact that the Holy Spirit was there to guide the whole process through the ages, what we have is a very reliable, very ancient text. And where archaeology comes into contact with the biblical narrative, it has confirmed that. To wrap this up, I realize that I haven't quite answered the question all that well, and there's a good reason for that. Who specifically wrote the Bible? is a topic that's inspired a lot of debate over the past few centuries. But I don't know that this is as important of an issue as we've made it out to be, especially where the Bible itself is largely silent about that same question. I don't place my trust in the Bible because of some unshakable confidence in the men who wrote it. They were human beings, fallible and flawed, who may or may not have even been major players in its story. But the resounding consensus of 20 centuries of Christians is that we believe them in spite of, or even perhaps because of, their anonymity and their humility. Even with that said, there's a lot of good evidence and reasons why you should place your trust in the Bible. But at the end of the day, I can't scientifically prove the reliability of a book to you 
beyond the shadow of a doubt. What I can tell you is that the God I know is good and wants to be known by us, and it really seems like he's used scripture to do that. To take it a few steps further, if I can believe he perfectly guided the writing process, then I can also trust his faithfulness in preserving the transmission of the text down through the ages, as well as his leadership of the very process by which the church identified these 66 books as special in the first place. And finally, I can rely on his presence in me and in my life as I read it and try to interpret it today. Speaking of which, I hope you'll join me next time as I delve into the importance of context and proper interpretation of the Bible. That's going to be next week's topic. I'll see you then, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Finchwood Discipleship Podcast, conversations for people who want to be more like Jesus. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe now and consider sharing it with your friends. For more information about this episode's topic, or to continue the discussion, please consult the show notes. See you next time.